bringing their problems to me for as long as I can remember. I have one of those faces that just says, tell me what's going on. And now I have one of those podcasts that says, go ahead, tell me what's going on. Welcome to Mess in Progress. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the show. Welcome to Mess in Progress with myself, Gina Brianna, and my lovely co-host slash everything person, Catherine G. Mendoza. Say hi to the people, Catherine. Hi to the people, Catherine. <laughs> Excellently done. Love that. That was expertly done, as if it wasn't your first rodeo. How are things? Are you good? I've been doing my things. How have your things been doing? Girl, I mean, election. Like, we're in, we're, and we're living in a history, an American history textbook. Yep, That's we really are. This is, yeah. it's, it's an interesting, frightening, crazy, intense time where nobody knows how the other side is going to react. And that's the scariest thing. It's like, whatever the outcome is, there's going to be some sort of backlash from the outcome, which is the scariest part. I didn't want to leave my house the other day, but I had to go see my, my coochie doctor. I had to go see my, my OB, you know, to give me the checkup, the green light to be like, Hey, you're almost all back in order from having a person ejected from your body. Uh, I was, I didn't realize girl. So first of all, I forgot that I was actually getting an exam mm-hmm. and I did not shave my legs. But let me just explain, like, this wasn't like, oh my God, you have a little peach. Foot. Like this was Sasquatch level hair. Like this was, how long has it been since you've even looked down? <laughs> like how long, like it was, <laughs> I, I got in that little like hospital gown thing that they yeah. give you when so you're all Those five minutes you get before they come back in? Yes. You mm-hmm. literally, I don't know how they time it, but it's literally like as soon, they must hear the crunch of the paper when I sit down. Cause as soon as I yeah. sit down, they're like, are you done? And I'm yeah. like, oh my mm-hmm. God, yes. What are you psychic? Is there a camera in here? I don't feel safe. And I just, yep. I look down at my legs and I'm just like, oh my God. You know what it looked like? I don't know if you've ever, you're a fan of the Simpsons. You ever watch the Simpsons? Yeah. You know, the, the, uh, Marge's sisters with their hairy yeah. legs that's what it looked like like my little oh, hairs like they were sticking out of the tension and like just all over the place I was so mortified and I'm like I'm sure they've seen worse but yeah this is so it's so embarrassing I mean you're talking about someone who sees hairy booty holes that's true yeah that's true including my booty hole. my booty hole is probably hairy I have not seen my booty hole, so that's one thing I think about constantly when I get um uh an OB check I think about the fact of, um, as a woman, we've, you know, as a woman who has a sexual life, we've all had someone in the region of, of, of being able to see that. But there's something about your butt has to be at the edge of the table. There's a bright light, like an LED light. There's nothing sexy about this scenario. Even if it was the awkwardness of like, you're real like there's a spotlight that's what it is you know there's a spotlight for your cooter yes (laughs) you you're under a spotlight with this person who is just has this this like thing of tools it's almost like a horror movie where their little thing of tools is right by them they're torture tools and you're just like this is not even if they lit candles and played candy g i wouldn't feel comfortable it's also like, then they, oh, it's, it's so routine that it's like, they always say the same thing. You're going to feel a little bit cold. You're going to feel know. a pinch. You're going to feel this. It's going to be this. And I yes. am, I am the worst during my exams because I'm like, it's so uncomfortable. I can't stand it. I don't, I, I just start talking about, I ask questions. 
like I get, I get, I want to learn their profession basically. Like, I'm just like, so how many have you seen today? Like I literally, oh, <laughs> where do I rank on a scale of one to 10? Am I your, am I your favorite of the day? <laughs> one being the worst thing you've ever seen. 10 yes. being pretty damn impressive. <laughs> but also the, I think like in, it's all about your familiarity with your doctor. Yeah. Because like, I mean, first off for me, not everybody's like this. I do not like men obese. And that's just a personal thing. I don't feel comfortable with that in that, in that um, setting. But I also feel like the jokes I can make with women are different. Cause like one time I did, like I happen to be somebody who can't not shave. Like I don't shave for other people. I shave for me. It's yeah. something I do every, I shave li- everything but my arms. That's a different story. I shaved it once, whole different other story. <laughs> um, and I was really young, but I, I, I'm pretty sure I shaved maybe like a few days prior. Right. But it was a lazy shave. It wasn't a well thought out shave. It was like a bing, bang, boom. Right. Yeah. Um, but I knew, I knew that I had missed like right at the thigh, you know, the inner thigh. I had missed a pelito, a pelito, a single pelito. You knew it was there. You just knew it I was knew there. I knew it was there. I knew it. And I knew that she knew and she sees it. And I literally said, she's a white lady. So I don't know how she, she just knew what I said. Cause I was like, don't mind the pelito on my thigh. <laughs> she starts laughing. But now she starts laughing. I'm saying after she does the like injection, you know, for the, the yeah. cold thing. And so since she starts laughing, I think her hands start shaking. So now I am like, because <laughs> I feel it. <laughs> Your exam got very interesting after that point. You were like, keep very laughing. <laughs> Yo, my, my OB is very giggly so, yeah. and he is a dude. Uh, I think I just got used to a man or a woman don't matter as long as you're not creepy or like rude. Cause the last OB I had was a guy too, but he was hella rude. Like he was hella rude. Like he was a dude that was like, <clears throat> you know, you should lose weight if you're thinking about having a baby, like unprompted yeah. on anything. And I was like, okay, well, first of all, didn't ask you. Second of all, mind your business. Third of all, I'm going to yeah. for a new OB now. And my OB that I had now, um, he's just giggly, which is just, it's another level of awkward. It's just like, you know, when you're, when your doctor's like super giggly and he puts that first little clamp in that like, you know, <laughs> opens up the cooter. Sorry guys, you're going to know what this is like one day opens yeah. up the cooter. And he's like, and I was like, I kind of winced a little bit because I'm a wuss when it comes to that stuff. And he was just like, it's just, it's just the first step. And he's like, just laughing about it. And I'm like, <laughs> can we wrap this? Can we yeah. wrap this up, please, sir? This yeah. is not what is this? Your your type five for your open mic set? I also, I also think that like, and this is just my opinion, not that I'm right, um, but my preference. Um, I feel more comfortable with a woman because she also has a vagina. Yes, no, one hundred percent. I it. agree. I just have it in my. It, it's just been my luck that I've ended up with male OBs. Like it's yeah. not. It's not something I choose. If they gave me a choice, I probably would pick a female because I'd be like, yeah. hey, I can tell you stuff that I don't think a male B would really understand. 
Yeah. You know and I mean? I mean, they can know all the clinical stuff, but there's stuff that I can share with you that I feel more comfortable sharing with a woman who actually has the same equipment. Right. Because there's like, um, I, I think about this and it's not just for women. I could even understand men wanting men doctors, especially when they're getting like, what, what is the booty hole check? Oh, uh, the pro- prostate. I almost said proctate. So my the, dad the says prostate. He says so, prostate and I've yeah. never corrected him. It's prostate. I've just, I've never corrected him. I think that like, yes, anybody can go to medical school or read a book and learn about um, the human anatomy and genitalia in general. But no matter how much you learn, no matter how much I learn about the male body and their prostate or their balls or whatever, I will never know what it is to have balls. Yep. Simple as that. Me, Catherine. And I think that there's something comforting about somebody who has experienced certain things. So for instance, I remember when I, um, I first started having sex, you know, one of the first exams that I had after having sex, a lot of it is that you're, most men probably don't know this, but a woman's pH changes immediately. Mm-hmm. And that is not a bad, I mean, I don't, again, Catherine, not other people, that was never a bad smell for me. But I remember the first time after having sex, I was like, oh, that's not my natural scent. So I had gone to the doctor probably within the next few months and same partner or whatever. And I was just talking that and that was how we discussed like what I could do about um, things like uh, 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 they were like, and it's clinical things like you should not use condoms with spermicide because that changes your pH. You know what I mean? Yeah. Pee after pee after going to the bathroom. But as much as somebody can learn that in medical school, part of me feels comforted knowing that that woman, if she happens to also have sex with men, it is probable she has also done the run after you have sex to the bathroom. She's also, there's something about my mind going... You understand, girl. You've been yeah, there. You, like, you know what I'm saying. You know yeah. what I'm saying, girl. Like, right. you don't have like, to over-explain anything. You could just, like, say it and she'll be like, yeah, I know. Exactly. I think there's, for me, there's a lot of um, comfort in that um, because it's so intimate. Your privates are, it, it's just, it's awkward. It's intimate. I feel the same uh, way about, like, dental work to some degree, but it's not more gendered. It's actually more, um, uh, 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 mildness i like mild dentists yeah. right like i like female ob's and i like uh really really like uh kind dentists yeah not they can't seem very doctory or very yeah very doctory or just unbothered i need somebody who's invested yeah. but not going to try to force me to do a bunch of stuff um when it comes to dentists when it comes to ob's man as long as you can tell me everything working i'll be like Thanks for not insulting me <laughs> during this sesh. I'm out, doc. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. was asked once if I, prefer, if I prefer a male or female masseuse. Now to me, that doesn't make a difference to me. I want someone who's good. Uh, do you have a yes. really good masseuse that happens to be female? Do you have a really good masseuse that happens to be male? Fine. I don't care who's available now and can rub out this back. Um, okay. So I don't have a preference but I did have an experience oh, where, where the guy, I had a guy masseuse and he was fine. 
Hohohoin. Hohohoin. <laughs> and yeah, that is um, slightly uncomfortable because he wasn't inappropriate. He was extremely professional. But the inappropriateness I wanted to be was a problem. Like my mind had to be con- like during a massage, you also want to be able to relax and just kind of yes. enjoy that moment. But I don't want to enjoy your relax too much because now I'm also sexualizing your touch. I'm yes, like, yep, everything oh. because you're so attractive that now I'm like, oh, this now I'm, I'm storing that in the fantasy bank right there. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I don't have a preference. Or like if you haven't been you, touched for a while and then you have like oh. a really super good looking masseuse and then you're like, oh, well, this is intriguing. Exactly. And then, but then my brain also went into um, where, where my, my, my cancer goes into every romantic comedy scenario. And I go, hold on, girl. But what if he becomes your man? And this is how he's been massaging other girls? No, we can't do this. Oh, there was the other reason. I was already like. That takes I you already, right out of it, though. That, I, your I, petty I, takes you right out of it. I already went on. I went, already went on a date with him. We got into a relationship and we broke up in my mind. In my bueno that was a fast relationship it was a very because you do have to factor that in like i guess people don't really think about masseuses in that way but it's like you know you get excited if you're you're dating a masseuse but then like there is a level of they are intimately touching people like physically touching people in a way that can bring about emotions like i've gone for massages where i've damn near cried because i've been so tense and then as soon as they release that tension I just, all the emotion comes rushing back and you just, you just want to cry your eyes out. So it is, mm-hmm. it is something that you're doing that's intensely personal when you go to get a massage. Yeah. So there is part of it where it's like, if you're dating a masseuse, you're like, you know, okay, like I want you to be successful, but like how many regular, regular clients you have? <laughs> like right. people that come to only you. Right. And so I was like, mm, I, I, that is not, again, a preference. That's just based off an experience. I was like, I'm going there for the experience of the massage. Mm-hmm. My, you do not need to be mentally tickling my fancy because my yeah. brain saw you and was like, yeah, dang. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Hello. Yes. I like yes. that, babe. Mm. No. Mm-hmm. I think other than that, there's nothing like, I'm trying to think of like services. There aren't other scenarios where I'm like, I have preferences. Uh, I do yeah. with therapists. Really? Um, yeah. Really? That's interesting. I a, Why? I, um, I almost prefer therapists who are not from the United States. Yeah. Why is that? Because I feel like um, scenario-based. So when I'm talking about things, whether I'm talking about history or current stuff or whatever, um, I've noticed that every therapist I had that wasn't from this country, um, because of their, whatever their first education was, because of whatever their view of the world is, right? Um, they always help me look at the world and my situation differently yeah. because they don't come from the same culture as me in this nation, right? And so I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with going to a therapist that's also from this country, but- there's just something different. I go to therapy for different perspectives. I want to understand existence and my life and my experiences um, through every avenue. I do think that 
a person in this country can be worldly, can go study in other places and have that point of view. And if I found that person, amazing. But that's why I've enjoyed um, having, my last therapist was from the UK. The one prior to that was from Russia. Um, I had another one who was Colombian and all of them uniquely added something into my life because I didn't realize how much sometimes I just am subject to my very quote unquote American way of looking at scenarios. But if you're talking to another American, you're going to be like, that's normal. And it's like, or maybe it's not normal um, everywhere. Maybe there are other ways of looking at it. So that's why judgment in your therapist's eyes. Um, yes, which usually turns into like, or confusion. I've seen, I've, I've seen judgment and I've seen confusion, but I've seen judgment that then is said like, oh, that's because like, I think one time we were talking about culture, um, how like, um, lines, uh, making lines is a very American thing. It's very much is. Yeah. Right. And so she had brought up this idea of like, she goes, have you, have you noticed? Um, and again, hypothetical situations. Um, she, she goes, have you noticed that a lot of people think that Asian people from certain Asian countries are rude? But the thing is that it's just the way Americans perceive rudeness. And I go, explain. So we were just talking about rudeness in general. Mm-hmm. She brings that example up. She goes, lines. A lot of immigrant people from Asia don't, they are not custom to the yep. line system in this country. So that doesn't make them rude. It's just, they don't understand the social norm. I realized that, yes, you could come to that conclusion as somebody born and raised in this country, having spent time somewhere else, or just having an extensive curiosity to social norms around the world. But her particularly being an outsider, even in this nation, allows her to also critique this nation, but not, it's not better or worse, right? So she wasn't fully judging. She was just letting me know you're kind of being the judging, judging one. And what, again, it was, that was a scenario about something else. I was being judging about something else. She just brought it up by bringing me that example. And I was like, wow, I need people like you because, you know, frankly, the only non, in my life, the only non um, United States born people I have in my life happen to be, um, you know, the immigrant family that I have, maybe one or two friends, but mm. I'm not necessarily mm. like constantly around people who um, don't buy into Amer- like North American norms. Yeah. Or live by them. And yeah. that's important. Yeah, it's a very different world when you're hanging out with people that um, come from another country and have lived a, such a vastly different life from what we have here in the states and they observe they're they're the ever-present observers it's like they're the bird Mm -hmm. perched on the limb watching everything happen here and going just like either this is crazy this is fascinating this is intense whatever their feelings are it's just that they're sitting there and they're watching us live life as if it is a version of the Truman Show as if it's like a, a movie of some kind and they find it very interesting and I what I find interesting is somebody getting to observe all of that. I'm a little bit jealous of people that actually get to observe all of that from a non-biased, you know, if they can be non-biased standpoint. Well, that's exactly that. What you just said is exactly why I prefer uh, a non-American because in many ways I'm also observing her. 
Yes. What she says about my my situation, my examples, my my life. I'm observing how her brain works and going, oh, yeah. You came to that conclusion because of this. And sometimes, you know, she doesn't share with me her life, but I've learned little things about like what where she's from. And then that makes me want to go research so I understand why she sees it that yes. way. Right. So yeah, I think we can all be a bird's eye view. Um, it all depends on how willing we are to admit that nobody is like, you can't be arrogant. You can't be like, we're the best or we're right about yeah. anything. Right. And I think I that's the thing that foreigners usually observe the most about people from the United States of America are impeccable arrogance. Like yes. our arrogant, arrogant is, people. We really are. We, we are. really are. Oh, our guest is here. It looks like our guest is here. So let's get ready to uh, intro our guest. All right. Let me uh, introduce our guest for today. Our guest is sitting in our waiting room here. Uh, comedian Nicole Birch, her first ever special, first ever hour special, Never Been Kissed, is now available on Amazon. So let's bring Nicole in. All righty. I think I did it right. There we go. I did it right. I, I always get nervous when I have to press the button. Hey, Nicole. Hi. 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 Thank you so much uh, uh, to for coming on the show. Uh, we share a press agent. Katie was actually just, she just stopped in real quick into the Zoom to make oh, sure we're all on the up and up. And I love how she is with her clients. And I'm glad that, you know, great. we share She's that great. press agent. That's yeah. Right. Uh, this is my podcast partner slash everything person uh <laughs> Catherine Catherine Nicole Nicole Catherine Hello. nice to meet you good to meet you welcome to the show we're gonna jump right in with some rapid fire questions we do just like uh three questions you can answer them in whatever importance you see fit uh so we'll start off with where are you from what is your zodiac sign and how did you get started as a stand-up comic uh, I am from Kansas City and I am an Aquarius which is pretty spot on, uh, except I guess the only thing that's different is Aquariuses are usually messy and I'm kind of a neat freak, but everything else is absolutely true. Uh, and then uh, stand up, actually, I started off uh, doing the groundling. So I'm, I've been doing sketch and improv for like over a decade. And that was kind of my main focus for a really long time. And then once I did the most I could do at groundlings, I ended up starting to do some stand-up because I became more of a writer and I was getting paid to write. And so I was like, oh, well, let's see what jokes work on a live crowd. Uh, so it kind of turned in, I don't think I'm a typical comic in the sense of like, I, I don't, I'm not a road comic. I don't tour like that kind of stuff. I don't, I mean, like one of my best friends, Chris Porter, he's been doing I it. Love for, Chris. He's great. So I've been, he's been doing it for 22 years. He performed um, like a 10 minute bit at my graduation party, like when I was 18, like it's crazy. And he's been doing it forever. And I was just like, it's such a grind and I respect anybody who does it. And it's, it's a whole different beast. And for me, it's more of like, I tell stories and like, it, you know, it's, I would say I'm a comedian, but not a comic, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I did that about, I started doing that five years ago. Well, five years ago, how has comedy been these past five years for you? Um, I would say interesting in the sense of I, I would have never thought that I would have had a special. I think the story itself is interesting and that's why people resonate with it. But it's not something 
that I, I ever saw. I mean, I, if you would have asked me 10 years ago where I would be, I would say, oh, in an S like Saturday night live writing room. Like that's where I thought I would be. And now it's completely changed. And I love stand up. I love, I did, I had a show last night, which was weird. And it was awful for all of us. There was only like 10 people there. Well, maybe like 20. And it was a weird crowd. Everybody still doesn't know who the president is. Like it's such a weird energy. It's outdoors. Everybody's separated. There's nobody close to the stage. Uh, and we all had a really rough. <laughs> and the, the MC was just like, this is, and he just, you know, his name's Justin Ruppel. He's fantastic. He's, uh, does a lot of impersonations. And I was like, just go up there. They love that. So you just take an extra 20 minutes and just do imper impersonation. Yeah. That kind of brought the crowd back. So okay. wow. I'm, I'm glad yeah. they eventually came around. But yeah, the shows nowadays have been real tough. Yeah, real weird. Real weird yeah. out yeah. there. Really, really I feel, weird. Um, I, I feel like because of COVID, it was already weird. But like you said, this specific presidential election, just we're living in limbo. This moment and yeah. like people, whenever we post this, it's what day three of election uh -huh. day. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a weird time. I, yeah. I just I just don't know how we don't know yet. Like it's yeah. that's insane to me. And just it's I mean it's totally on par with twenty twenty as a whole. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Just when you're like twenty twenty couldn't get any. Uh, it's like, damn. It's like hold my beer. Yeah, I can't. Can get worse. <laughs> hold my beer. I'm about to make it even worse. These people, <laughs> they don't get how this beer is gonna go. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get into your special a little bit. Um, the title of your special is Never Been Kissed. Mm -hmm. uh, we not only tell us a lot about how hard it is to date in Los Angeles, but you share a hilarious story about yeah. your experience going on a date with Michael Vartan, the lead love interest from the movie. Uh, the special is really fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, but we have Thank to know you. how long before you decided to share the story, like how long was it before you decided the story should be shared on stage? Oh, pretty quick. I mean, it was such a, oh, it was such a big moment. I was like, I got to get this off my chest because this is ridiculous. And it started out like, I, I think just for time, I think I got, I had 10 minutes or 15 minutes of the comedy store. And so it was a, a really abbreviated version. And then people kept coming up to me afterwards and they were like, well, but wait, what happened? Like, how do you still have his number? Can you call him back? And can you explain what happened? And I was like, Oh, the interest was so high that I was like, maybe I have something here. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, of course, about six months into doing it, uh, I was doing it at this bar in uh, like a 200 seater or whatever in North Hollywood. And you get a mix of comics. You get people who've done it. For, it's, they're, it's almost like an open mic. And then there's some really good comics and you have no idea what you're going to get. And I get up there. I, I do a 20 minute version of it. I get off the stage and these guys come up to me and they're like, Hey, we're friends with Michael Vartan and we play hockey with them. And we're going to tell And they'd had a lot to drink. And they're like, we're going to tell him you're talking trash on him. I'm like, I'm not talking to, I, he looks great in my special. I look yeah. like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. And so I called him and I was like, Hey, so I don't know if your friends message you. He's like, Oh yeah. They've been blowing up my phone. And I was like, well, I just want you to know, I do not say anything bad. And I, I kind of told him what I said and I gave him, he's like, give me one of the jokes. And I was like, oh, well, I tell stories. I don't really tell jokes. So I was like, here, I'll just do it for you. So I did like a five minute excerpt of the actual pivotal moment, um, the, the big kissing scene. And he was like, 
he he's rolling he thinks it's hilarious and he goes i can't believe you're sharing that story with anybody (laughs) and i was like yeah and he goes well do me a favor and he jokingly was like make it a netflix special make us some money so we can both retire and i was like ha 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 very funny and then six months later i was like hey i'm I'm making it a special just so you know (laughs) hey remember that thing you suggested great idea that idea running with it so yeah and he it was, was a really, really great special. It really was. And I can imagine, I mean, he is right, though. That is, a, it's a ballsy story to tell, but it's such an incredibly fascinating story. And yeah. it's done very, it's so real that I was like, oh, no, this legit happened. This isn't a comic, like, yeah. making stuff up to make the story seem better than it was. I like, mean, it's like, no, 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 nobody would say this. My, <laughs> my sister, we, I, I, they, my family waited till I came home to Kansas City to watch it with me. <clears throat> And my dad had never heard the story and uh, he might've heard bits and pieces. And my sister's like, this is going to be great. And so the scene where I leave the house and I'm crying and I'm sweating and I'm running and I'm running. My sister was like, I was on the phone with her while she's sprinting. Like she was there for the whole thing. (laughs) And she just goes, she goes, I felt so bad, but my sister was laughing. I could hear her laughing on the phone. Like I'm running and she's like, this is hilarious. Wait till you tell dad, wait till you tell everybody in the family. I can't believe only you can do this. And it was just like, what are the chances you meet the guy you've had a crush on for 20 years? You go on a date and he's perfect. He's the nicest. He is, it's literally, you know, some, you, they say, don't meet, you don't want to meet your heroes because they can let you down. Yeah. Ladies, he is so much better even in person because he's so sweet. He's charming. He's also French. So like he has like this sexy charisma that you I don't think you even really get to see on screen. You like him because you think he's like a, a sweet guy, but he's got some like major sex appeal. And then I, I <laughs> ruined it. And, and then I whoo, ruined it. Wait, I have a question though. Um, is he currently involved? I and don't are you? No. Oh no, I'm definitely single. Uh, <laughs> oh hello. My go-to okay. answer. I'm like, I am definitely single. I'm almost like you said you you spoke. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, we need to know. I think when I first mentioned it, uh, we have a mutual friend, uh, and when I first mentioned it to him, he was seeing somebody. So I don't know if he is now or not, but. Um, well, Michael, if you're listening, if you're listening, <laughs> inquiring me. minds want to know, know. <laughs> would you perhaps go for a a second, a better date, or a, re- a better date? <laughs> you could be first date, you know. I think. Um, yeah. You no, know, when I was a uh, speaking well, since you're in the single world now, when I was single, I had a friend tell me that dating a comic was very intimidating because it was like, especially like when guys approach you. Like they can't just throw any regular lines at you. Like they feel like you're above that. So you find it difficult or do you find it difficult navigating through the dating world as a comic? Because it's not like with the guys where all the groupies come up to them after. I don't feel Uh, like comics get the same amount of groupies. I had a weird experience. I don't, I don't really ever get hit on after shows. Um, I did start dating a guy and people were like, how'd you guys meet? And I was like, oh, he, he used to, he knows the promoter for this one show. And so he was always there and I actually hit on him first. And so I, I do think that there is, you know, cause guy comics get hit on all the time. Like it's, it's a thing, but like female comics, I don't really get approached. 
um, I'll be told, you know, hey, great set or something like that. And you can see maybe a little bit of interest, but they really, yeah, I, I would absolutely agree. It's intimidating. The only time, and this was recent, I actually haven't told Chris this yet, but uh, Chris Porter was uh, performing for the first time back from COVID at the KC Improv and I was in town. So he was like, hey, do you want to open for me? And I was like, yeah, that'd be amazing. So we get there and it's the last show of the weekend. So it's, yeah, so it's Sunday night and we've, we've had the same waiter in the green room the whole time, right? And I don't know, this kid's like 25 years old and I'm very gracious and very nice. I like treat everybody like, I, like we're all on the same, I, I love this kid. Like I was being very nice and he, he needed some advice on something. I was giving him advice. And then I go to watch Chris's set. So I performed and I'm just sitting down at one of the tables and he's like, can I sit with you? The waiter guy. And I was like, yeah, sure. And he goes, so how much of your set is true? And in one of the things I say, I haven't had sex in two years. And I go, oh, well, my sets, you know, it's like 90% true with a little bit of embellishment. And I'm watching Chris and he like leans over and he goes, uh, well, if you need help with that two-year stint, we can go in the back. And I was like, no. And it, it I want to tell you that I said, uh, no, gross, get away. But what I did was I was like, ah, that's, no, thank you. Like, I did not know. It threw me off. Yeah. I think there was something and I, you know, he didn't push it or anything. I just like got up and like left. Um, I was like, oh, I, my sister's calling. Um, but it was interesting because it was the only time in that dynamic as a comic that I'd been hit on and I didn't like it. It was yeah. weird because it was like the dynamic had shifted and I wasn't used to it. And it was really, he wasn't like pervy about it, but it was, I mean, yeah, I kind of was. It's but, uncomfortable. Uh, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And that dynamic shifted. And I thought he was, I thought he was asking about my set and how, you know, maybe he was going to say, oh, I like the part where you said this. And no, he just wanted to hook up. And I was like, oh God, that feels so gross. So, yeah. Cause I mean, it makes you question too. Like if, and I, I, it clearly was a proposition, right? Because yeah. if it was like a failed joke, even mm -hmm. that's inappropriate, but at least you can tell when somebody's like, trying to joke on your joke and then you're like yeah. okay that was lame but yeah cool, go away but clearly he was like actually using that and I think it's the idea like that he um objectified you like the let's take it out back that's it and it's like I was just mad cool with you you just fucked it up stop sitting next to me waiter like yeah. that moment that's like, had you had a little more up. class maybe bro maybe yeah. maybe would have thought about said, it if he would have asked you out yeah like I you know it it it's also what he picked in your set. Yeah. That yeah. that 10% he assumed that was real yeah. was the sex. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the 10% he was hoping, hoping was real. Yeah. That's why yeah. he was asking how much of the set was true. He was hoping you'd be like, well, the sex thing is true. And then blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Because then he would stop hearing words. Yeah. Right after yeah. you say the sex thing was yep. true. Yeah. yeah, it is awkward because it's almost like you get to know um, the staff of a club. Exactly. You know what I mean? And it's like, they're, they're like your family or your coworkers. And it's just like when somebody hits on you that you just kind of, especially since you were giving advice to him, like it just yeah. feels like, oh, we were so cool. Just a couple yeah, of minutes ago. You just ruined ago. it. Yeah. Now I'm Absolutely. skeeved. <laughs> now I'm the totally perfect word to describe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah skeeved. Just, uh, yeah. And I love the Casey improv, by the way. Oh, um, so fun. 
So you're also a mom. You're you are uh, almost a brand new mom. How old is how old is your kid now? She'll be 14 months tomorrow. Wow! Yeah. Congratulations. Walk I got a in. two. She my son's gonna be four months this month. <gasps> Congratulations! Yes, I got. That's awesome. He's fresh out the gate. Fresh uh, out. <laughs> <laughs> he's fresh out. Then. Uh, so since you're further along in the motherhood Wait, so, game, so you deliver, sorry. So you delivered during COVID. Oh yes, I did. Boo boo. Yes, I did. How was that? Uh, I've had a couple my, of friends do it and the delivery was awful, but that was because my doctor was a douche. Uh-huh. Um, my pregnancy was amazing. Like I'm, I think okay. I was the most, I, I was so happy. And so Same. I was so fascinated by pregnancy nothing like freaked me out about it that like yeah. I feel like I've heard from other women where they you know they're like my body this my body that like I was like oh, I'm gonna get fat my ankles are gonna swell yeah. like I knew all that stuff was gonna happen I'm like my boobs are gonna get big stuff's gonna yeah. hurt it's like your period times 10 so it was yeah. like I was like all right I'm, I'm ready for that yeah. but it was also awesome to see basically what your body can take a thousand percent like mm-hmm. it's it's bananas like i just watched my stomach grow and i didn't even i wasn't mad i was like oh look at that it's crazy look at how big this getting it's yeah. yeah i thought because i got pregnant at like 36 going on 37 and i was like oh this is going to be rough i thought all the negative things that were going to happen and i loved pregnancy every bit of it i was very lucky yeah delivery I, like delivery i almost died like they i almost coded <laughs> It was like, I thought I was going to have the best delivery because I had such a healthy pregnancy Same. and everything that could go wrong went wrong. And I was like, this is not like, I still got a, a little bit of PTSD from it. So it's crazy. Same here. I actually wow. sought out trauma counseling for it. And I, Good. I mean, I mean, it, it helps. It does help. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. and there's so many stories like that too, of people that had terrible deliveries, but you rarely hear about people that had amazing pregnancies. Like people don't, it's like women don't want to let that secret out. It's like, yeah, no, I want to tell everyone. I'm not saying you have to get pregnant. I'm saying my experience with it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. My sister, I had two very different, um, she was pregnant like or seven months before I was and she morning sickness the entire time. Uh, she did not like when the baby would kick. She was like, it freaks me out. And I was like, oh, we have very different. Cause I'm like, I'm like putting an ice pack on, like trying to get her to move and like playing games with her. Like I was like having a blast. That's amazing. I couldn't yeah. get my, my son would move on occasion and I thought it was going to freak me out. I legit used to have a joke about it in my act about how it would freak me out. And then I just, you know what? It, it made me giggle every time because however yeah. he would move, it always tickle me. Yeah. And I'd be like, or I'd be like, I'd, I'd see my stomach move and I'd be like, whoa, <laughs> like it wasn't, I was so amazed by it. I thought I was going to be grossed out. I thought I was going to be freaked out. I think yeah. the first time it happened, I was a little bit freaked out because, you know, the first time it happens, you're just like, oh, what was that? Oh my God. Was that yeah. gas? Or was that, yeah. was that the baby? Or yeah. do I have to fart real bad? Or is that yeah. a baby moving inside of me? And then once exactly. you get used to it, like there'd be times where you just see part of my stomach like pop up. Yep. And it's yeah. so fascinating to me. I still and have I... so many videos of just like late at night. Cause that's when, like, cause when I want to sleep. So they say when the mom sleeps, the baby's awake because yep. during the day you're walking around, which is rocking them to sleep. So they're asleep. So I like, every time I would lay down, I have so many videos and it's like 
a scene from Alien where it just goes like you and I'm like what is that you can like barely see my son move in my videos but I'm like I wish you could feel him moving because you can barely see him moving but he's so stealthy with it he was so stealthy with his movements yeah. you can barely see it and I, I just have footage of my stomach like there's nothing yeah. there's just nothing happening and it's just footage of my belly I look like yeah. I'm obsessed with my belly yeah. like no oh, he was moving I swear I promise every time you're like here give me your hand that's when she would stop and it's like never mind (laughs) you're never gonna feel it never mind you're never gonna feel never mind i never i never saw any because i think i was freaked out by the idea that some women said that you could see the footprint you could see the yeah or like the handprint and i'd be like like that probably would have skeeved me a little bit too much it's too much that's too much but like feeling feeling the baby move yeah was absolutely amazing um what I was uh, going into was that you're further along in the motherhood game than I am, you know? Yeah. So how has it been? Cause you have an actual, like, is your, is your baby talking? Is like, she, is she talking? Is she making she's, words yet? She's walking, starting to climb on things. So that's a little, uh, you know, you got, you just have to keep an eye on them all the time. And how then happened with uh, the pandemic and being home. Well, I did, fi- I stayed for about five and a half months in Kansas city. My mom has like a nice house on five acres, you know, in LA, I have a one bedroom apartment still because we were getting ready to move. And then the pandemic happened. And the guy who owns this building, who's legitimately a saint was like, Hey, you're the only one with a kid in the building. Feel free to be rent free until March, 2021. Wow. I like, uh, I sing his praises every day because what a gift. And yeah. he's just, you know, cause he saw me like struggling cause I'm a single mom. So he saw me like struggling with going up and down the stairs. Cause one time our elevator wasn't working and I had the baby and he was like, what do you need? And I was like, I just need some help. Aww. And he was like, okay, you get it. So it was like 10 months free. Like I'm rent free for 10 months. It's crazy. Crazy. Wow. Amazing. Um, so yeah, she's walking. So now we're back here. We've been back in LA for a couple of weeks. Um, She's, uh, there's only so much stuff she can get into here, which is great. But yeah, it, it, it's, she's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. I was going to say, it's got to be a lot. It's like, I mean, being a mother, I've noticed already it's 24 hour work. You know, it's just, it really is like, it's nuts how much work it is. Yeah. Um, and I can't imagine, you know, having a kid that's running and walking around, like my son's only four months, like I stick them in the bassinet. I'm like, whether you like it or not, buddy, that's where you're staying. You're staying. You're staying. And so, like, you might hear him in a little bit in the background. He might just yeah. start wailing for no reason, just crying yeah. for whatever reason. But where, uh, how do you keep her, like, for stuff like this? Like, where is your daughter at? Like, she's, she's in daycare right now. Okay. Uh, I had her in daycare because I'm trying to find some form of work. And so yep. I've been going on interviews. And then I've also been doing podcasts and promoting the, the special. Um, but it's, it's kind of down to, which is great that I don't have to pay rent, but daycares just as much as rent is. And it's one of those things we'll like, well, I can keep her here, but I still need to make money somehow. Uh, So I'm just trying to figure out that situation right now, which is. That's definitely been an issue for a lot of performers during this pandemic. Like a lot of people, a lot of my comic friends have hit me up and been like, you got a day job yet? I'm like, "Eh, I've been looking like all of us, all of us are like, ah, we got to go jump back into the actual working it's crazy. I, I called a bar I worked at a couple of years ago and I was like, Hey, do you guys have any shifts? 
and they're like lunch shifts and I was like sure yeah lunch shifts because obviously Never. I would have to pay a babysitter at night so I was like yeah let's do lunch shifts and they're like you know you make 70 bucks a day right and I was like oh okay, well, I can't do that because of, you know because of the pandemic normally you'd make more than that but it's like oh that's not enough to feed her <laughs> so, oh yeah yeah so how are you yeah. gonna I'm curious like um are you, you married husband i'm married yeah Catherine okay. is single i'm not single no I, my child is the fact that i'm quarantining quarantining with my mother so all of your issues i feel like i have that in an adult yeah who's an elder and that's yeah. even harder because you can't tell them anything yeah that's what i i noticed when i was at home with my mom for five months which obviously i haven't <laughs> done that since i was 18 uh a lot of reality tv watching man so she watches everything there's now a show called my feet are killing me have you guys seen this <laughs> you guys it's right after dr pimple popper oh you guys it's just an entire show dedicated to people with feet problems funguses crazy horns coming out of their hooves like and my mom's like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. I'm like, we need, I need a different TV. We need What different. network is this? What's Dr. Pimple, a uh, TLC maybe? I think it's TLC. Um, okay, yeah. sounds very TLC. I'm like, I've been trying to sell a script for years <laughs> to just get something. <laughs> and this is what's taking up 30 minutes. <laughs> All you have to do was say your feet were hurting and you would have had a hit show. That's it. Some of these, <laughs> oh God. And I was just like, what are we watching? So that was the only thing about the five months where I was like, we just need a different TV schedule because she only has one television in the house. And so it's like, Ugh. Mm. Oh. But, yeah. yeah. Luckily, my mom is obsessed with novella. So every, every, every room in the house has a TV in it so she can watch a different novella at, <laughs> at different times. Like she can watch them and just have them simultaneously on and just go from room to room during commercial breaks. That's hilarious. So. That's how I learned Spanish was in novellas. <laughs> you so, learned a very dramatic version of Spanish. Yeah. Yes, I was like, these people are intense. Okay. <laughs> I remember I saw a fight one time between two women and one of the women gets in, goes into a handstand position to wrap her ankles around the girl's neck and then kills her that way. And I was like, this is the most fascinating thing I have ever seen in my life. It's amazing. That's no, I mean, I, I will say this. Uh, I'm very lucky that my mom is really into like the Netflix and yeah. Hulu's of the world. She's there. Oh, um, so we do get to share programming because uh, since Netflix has the option to like put subtitles or actual yeah. audio in Spanish, great. we both just finished watching um, The Queen's Gambit. I was I like, I loved it. I loved I it. Was, like, it's amazing. And so then I made her watch it. I made her watch both of the hauntings and she's like into it. So it's kind of really cool to be able to share that yeah. in that sense. Yeah. And then the, ha and the haunting, the haunting of Hill House and Bly and, and and Manor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just finished, I just finished Bly Manor not too long ago. I'm such a horror movie fan too, but it's Same. so I love Same. horror movies, but it's so hard to watch creepy stuff with kids now and now look at my son like mm. wait, actually, yeah. since you're both horror movies, have you seen? Because I've seen um The Girl with All the Gifts. No. no, not what yet. Lady, please. It's a zombie movie. It's on Netflix right now. Great. It's, it, it, that and hashtag alive. Um, okay. The Girl with All the Gifts is from the UK and that alive is, I believe, from China. So it's in, you need to watch subtitles, but they're both zombie movies. Really modern, really good. 
I, yeah, I was in the thing about Bly Manor is I, I was like, I, I it took me forever to get into it where Hill House rocked me. I Same. have not Same. been, I found a tweet that I sent last year when I watched it. And I was like, I have not been scared. Like I watched, I watched, uh, I'm a nightmare on Elm street person. So I watched that when I was four, my dad took yeah. me to the theater and I watched it when I was four. My mom wanted to murder him. And I was like, I was like, can I write Freddy Krueger a letter? I would like him to be my dad now. And they're like, that's weird. <laughs> that's weird. Like, okay, we need to have a conversation. <laughs> we need to talk. Such a uh, thing. My niece thinks that Michael Myers is adorable. Like literally when my sister's watching Halloween, she'll be like, who's that? And she goes, Michael, he's so cute. And then walks away. You're like, she's fine. <laughs> my therapist says it's to work away, work around fear. That's why kids do that. They like make them like um, they personalize them. Yeah. So you can't hurt me if, you know. I think that works though. I think because when I saw Paranormal Activity, right? The ending of Paranormal Activity scared yes. the living bejesus out of yes. me. I was so freaked out. And my ex-boyfriend um, was, uh, he has a multimedia company. And he said, if I show you how they did that effect, will it help you? And I said, yes. And so he sat me down and he showed me a video of how they do that effect that they use at the end of Paranormal Activity. And I swear to you, it worked right on the spot. I went, oh, that's right, it's fake. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, what a gift. Oh, that's right, it was scary, but it's fake. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah, <laughs> what a gift, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I think if you do that with kids, I think it, I think it does work. I think they should... I like the fact that your niece does that with Mike Myers. I think that's that's a good way of not being. It's better than the alternative. Yeah, I, yeah I'm gonna I'm, pro, I'm gonna check out both of those scary movies yeah. immediately. Please, I love live and the girl with the gifts. The girl yeah. with all the gifts. Yes, all the gifts. Because um, and then this goes into the um zombie genre more than like you know, Blind Man is more haunted house and yeah, uh, uh Freddy Krueger is more slasher. Right. I feel like um, with what I like about this is that anybody who's a fan of zombie movies, which I am, understands that the genre has tried to find a way to evolve, right? Like, how do yeah. you evolve zombies? Like, what does that look like? But it's been so unsuccessful. The Girl with All the Gifts is, has such a philosophical way of tackling mutation. And Alive has a really good way of talking about the first month when we lose all type of connection and like yeah. not being able to go outside. So it's kind of like a new version of Dawn of the Dead minus like the whole, it's like isolation. What would life yeah. be like if you were by yourself? Yeah. That's what I like that it explores these ideas of um, the fear in like, shit, what would happen if that really happened? Like yeah. if you yeah. live alone. I know if we had a zombie apocalypse, my son would get me murdered because he cried oh. too damn loud. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. who are these quiet babies that exist in these zombie uh, movies? Because my son would 100% get me murdered. Yeah, in a second. You know, you know what else I think? Um, what if you wanted to go food shopping the day after? Like you planned on going to food shopping tomorrow, but tomorrow's the zombie apocalypse. You're screwed, like immediately screwed because you have nothing. Like I constantly think about that now because of the pandemic. Yeah. I'm like, dude, like we, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm just one of those people who prepares for everything, yeah. but I'm like, it is terrifying. And when the movies explore the mundane of that rather than the goriness, right? Um, that I like, which is why the I think Blind Manor didn't yeah. scare you. Because Blind Manor was a love letter. 
it was literally a romantic story. It was about love. It wasn't really about like ghosts. about like love and betrayal, and it becomes yeah. this whole story that they, it took me a while to get into it, though it really did. Like I don't know if it was if it dragged for everybody, but I remember I was just watching it and I was like, okay, I need the be- the meat of the story to, well, I mean, to get here, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was my issue with that. And then when it started rolling, finally, I was like, oh my God, oh my, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. It took, by the second episode, I was definitely in. And uh, the day that I watched, I think I was like on episode three or something, we lost power in the building for like 10 hours. And I know a girl who lives, or yeah, who lives in the building next to me. And it's this 16 story, gorgeous, I don't know, 1800s, like 1890s building. It's called the El Royale. It's beautiful. And she's like, yeah, we, uh, we, we don't have power either. And I was like, okay, so it gets closer to being nighttime. And I'm like, oh, I have to bathe my daughter. I have like, so we did everything by candlelight. And there was something really ominous about it because obviously I was watching Bly Manor too. Uh, but then one of my neighbors started playing the saxophone and uh, then all of a sudden it turned into like, I felt like I was like in a French movie where I'm just like living off, you know, no <laughs> electricity. And then we, I went to bed early cause I was like, what am I, I'll just go to bed with my daughter. So it was like eight o'clock and I was in bed and around 10 o'clock you could hear like a surge. And then everybody started clapping and cheering. And I was like, this is what it would be like if you were isolated, like you couldn't leave your place. And like that sense of community when everybody cheers together, it was just really, it was really interesting. Yeah. So I think, yeah. Yeah. Well, but that, it, it those out, like zombie are... apocalypse feel though. Oh, those yeah. moments where you experience that kind of isolation, especially if you're a horror movie fan, the beginning of this pandemic was very much like, where are we going with this? What is going to happen? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it did feel, it did feel like a horror movie. It felt like, yeah. okay, we're being told to stay home. Like this is really us. This is Dawn of the Dead. This is World War Z. This is Shaun of the Dead with the, yeah. all the comedy that's been part of this pandemic. But it is a scary <laughs> thing to imagine. But that's always my first thought. It's like, how, who would I be in a zombie apocalypse? Yeah. Like, am I the chick that survives? Am I, you know, am I the one that leads a group of people to fight the zombies? Am yeah. I the person that, you know, dies in the first scene of this movie because I yeah. do something stupid? Yeah. I want to believe I'd be the hero, but let's, I haven't yeah. made the best life choices. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly, I, I was having this conversation recently with somebody and it all determines on how many people you care about. Doesn't matter. If you have other people to care about, then you are likely to die Yeah. because you will put your life in front of theirs or you will do things to risk for the greater oh, good wow. of like who you're around. Yeah. It is the reason why people who are single and don't have family are more likely survivors because they're only focused on themselves yeah right like i think if you have kids of a certain age especially like probably you know children yeah or elderly parents you are more likely to die early on because you're gonna do everything for them yeah so at this stage in all of our lives we're dead we're all all of us we're all dead (laughs) (laughs) all three of us so we've determined all three of us would die we would yep. we would all die in this horror movie scenario. Um, speaking of different scenarios, uh, which is a terrible segue, but I don't care. Um, it's a terrible segue. I'm just I'm just going with 
I'm just accepting the fact that that has just happened. Um, in your special, I love this. You talk well. You talk about how you manifested uh, this this uh, sort of like meeting Michael Veritine without even really realizing you had manifested it. Right. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and what's next for your vision board? Actually, can you see it? So it's like right all those pictures right there. That's yeah. the makings of a vision board. Those are my whiteboards, which nice. I obviously can't see it, but it says buy a house really big right there. Um, yeah, I just had to clean all those up because now I've got to read. I need my whiteboards to look like your whiteboards. Um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, so I'm really big into manifesting. I'm really big. I've always had collages, which back then, you know, were just weird and creepy. Um, and I think it's just, you know, a lot of people are like, the secret doesn't work or whatever. And I'm like, look, if you just put it, you know, a mansion on a board and you're like, that's going to, and you expect it to just come to you, of course, that's not going to work. But for me, I just need, I'm such a visual person that I just need constant reminders and affirmations. Like, don't forget, this is what you're going towards. And I'm doing a lot. I just, you I cannot wait to read Matthew McConaughey's new book, Green Lights, because I just watched him on uh, do an interview with Oprah. And <laughs> I'm getting so weird about this, but um, <laughs> and, and just how you need that constant thing. In, and, and then you analyze yourself during the day. How much of your day was devoted going towards that goal and how much of it was like a detour? And why was it a detour? Like I had two glasses of wine at the show last night and I am hung over this morning from two glasses of wine. So I'm like, okay, so I can't drink anymore. Like, it's just something I guess I can't do. Like, that's just, and it's taking me out of, you know, um, away from my goal versus like, it used to be fun to do that. And then you could network and you could drink and you have a few drinks with some people and then you'd book a show through some, some conversations. And I'm like, oh, now it just makes me sick. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, which is hilarious. Like people in college are like, wait, you don't drink anymore. They're going to lose their minds. They, Cause I was a rager. Um, You're but like, what happened? Tell us yeah, what story. happened to you. Yeah. I was just, yeah. I was, I was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> but uh, so it's just interesting to kind of vision boards and manifest. I think it just always like realigns me to stay focused on stuff. And like I had, um, I had a picture of Michael Vartan and it was randomly next to a thing that said Amazon prime. Cause I was like, Oh, I want, I want to write a show for Amazon prime. I didn't know what it meant or whatever. And then within two months we were planning to do the special and then it ended up going on Amazon prime. I was just like that stuff. You know, it just, that kind of stuff. I just kind of believe it. Yeah, no, 100%. No, yeah. I'm, I'm a total believer in that too. And I think that people do give up on it too easily. You know, what yeah. people I think wait for is obvious answers and that's kind of not how it works. You, mm -hmm. you know, everybody wants to know the how. It's not about right. knowing the how, it's just about like being able to say like one day, this is going to be in my life. Yeah. I cannot say 10 days from now, five days from now, but this is the goal and I'm putting yeah. it out in the universe. And should it actually happen, like the, the way I want it to happen, great. But however right. I get there is how I get there. I just know that it's for me. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that people struggle with when it, and I know myself, I struggle with it too, when it comes to manifestation and vision boards and everything is actually having that much faith. 
Yeah. And ignoring that little voice of doubt that goes, yeah. that ain't gonna happen. Yeah. Gotta yeah. push that away. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think it's also um, how annoying the word manifestation has become. Yeah. That a lot of people, sure. you know what I mean? Because they're like, oh, it's so hippie juju. They're like, okay. Right. And so I think that also makes some people not want to like, I don't want to say practice it, but kind of like judge it before even, you know, attempting it. But I feel like people don't even realize we do that unconsciously, right? Like we're manifesting everything. It's not always positive. It can be other things as well. Right. So I I feel like um, it's very interesting because we had another guest who talked about how he got a stint on um the show on stars called Vida mm-hmm. and he just became a fan of the show like he saw the show was a fan and then um, that. that's so funny and then he put um on his bio uh like what he does because he's an actor and then under from Vida took a screen grab put it as his screensaver and then changed his bio back but every day when he would look at his phone he would see that he yep. ended up being on Vida. Like, Tanya yeah. Saracho actually is, is somebody he's close with now. But he, in his mind, was like, Vida is not maybe going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. He did it in yeah. every day. You yeah. know, like, so subconsciously, your brain is seeing your name, your picture name. And it's going to start yeah. connecting it. And I think that's what people don't realize. It's that simple. Little yeah. things. It is that simple. Yeah. I, I had I mean, um my favorite show on HBO is Barry. So I had a picture a of the, the Barry trailer or, mm-hmm. or the, the marquee picture. And so I put it up there. And for some reason, oh, it's the one where he's looking in a vanity. And I kept point I had arrows pointing to his face because it was like, I want to be on this, but I want I don't want to be on this and be in a scene with Henry Winkler and no Bill Hader. I want to be in a scene with Bill Hader. And I get called in. I've been called in for that probably three or four times. And I don't even get a call back, like nothing. And then she calls me in for a guest star. But it says for like a 60-year-old woman, she goes, well, just read this because they want, they might be changing it to somebody younger. And I was like, okay. And she goes, okay, we also have a co-star. It's a bar fly. It's a flashback. Bill Hader is going to hit on you in a bar uh it's based on him in college or whatever you know he's wearing his ohio state hat or whatever i was like okay she goes do you want to read it it's only like four lines and i was like read it so i read it and booked me immediately and then we get on set i'm i'm it's shot downtown so i'm in a trailer and one of the pa girls keeps and I haven't met him yet or anything like that. And so like one of the, and I play trashy. I am, I am white trash girl. Oh God. I'm some like smoking a cigarette and I'm, I look rough. And uh, so I'm in my trailer and the PA keeps coming back and forth, coming back and forth. And she's like, all right, I'll be here in five minutes to pick you up. You ready? And I'm, we're talking shit to each other. It's hilarious. Like we're having a really good time. And so she leaves and I get another knock on my door and in my trashy jean skirt, whatever uh, boots cowboy boots and a jean skirt you know you, you know the time so I open the door and I like say something smart ass I cannot remember what I said and it's Bill Hader because I thought it was her and I was like hey and he's got a ball cap on not the one he's going to be wearing in the show but it's his own you know and he goes uh hi uh, uh I'm my name's Bill and I'm like 
yeah, I know. And he goes, <laughs> uh, I, we're going to walk. I was just wondering if you wanted to walk with me, maybe we could get to know each other. The most humble man I've ever met. And then he goes, so where do you study? And I was like, oh, I did the groundlings. And he goes, oh, I only did second city out here. And uh, he goes, I always wanted to do the groundlings. And he, just the way he was like, yeah, I think you made it. I think you're fine. Well, you're good. You're good without the groundlings. I mean, I'm glad, but you, you're good, bro. <laughs> yeah. And so we, we're walking and it's about, I'd say like five blocks or something like that, three to five blocks. And we start talking about groundlings. He goes, um, oh, so do you like improv or sketch more? I was like, oh, I like sketch, but I have done improv with Kristen Wig before. And so I told him that story and he's losing his mind. And I go, look, I'm sure she's done improv with a thousand people. And she would probably never remember me, except we did this one scene together. And she basically had to change my diaper on stage, which for a series of reasons was hilarious. And he's laughing so hard. He starts texting her. Like, he's like, yeah, she remembered it. Then we do our scene and he goes, okay. So, um, cause obviously he wrote the episode and he introduces me to Alec, the director, who's, I, I did not do my due diligence and research that he has directed Silicon Valley. He's directed, I think he's done Seinfeld. He's done everything. Both of these guys are the most humble, grounded people I've ever met. Um, and we start doing the scene and he's like, actually, you know, let's just have fun with it. Let's just riff. And I was like, great. So we're, we have everybody cracking up. It was such a whirlwind experience. I get home and I'm sitting on my couch and I start to cry because I'm looking at the vision board and I'm seeing them like all these arrows are pointing at him. And I was like, oh, it wasn't just shooting a scene with him. My entire day, I made a friend ish. I mean, I don't have his number or anything, but you know what I mean? I was like, mm. I really connected with Bill Hader and I had like mm. five arrows pointed at him. And I was just like, because I've been on set with other stuff and it's like, oh, I have a bit role and I walk off or whatever, but this was crazy. Now I can't explain to you why the scene was cut. Uh, all the flashbacks were cut that were shot that day. Cause there was a version of him as a five-year-old boy and this little five-year-old boy was like hi I'm playing a young Bill Hader today how are you and I'm like oh my god you're so cute uh so all the flashbacks were cut for time and I was like oh, I wonder so but instead of being like I mean obviously that sucks but instead of being angry about that I'm like I wonder if this is going to turn into something else because now I can book the show again I'm eligible to book the show again maybe I come back as a bigger role mm -hmm. or Maybe it's just something with Bill Hader or it's, you know, yeah. so you have to have hope and like readjust what it is. And yeah. You never know what will make people remember you for what projects. Like there may be yeah. a moment where yeah. Bill Hader is like, hey, there was a girl that came in and we had yeah. we had a great time. We shot this yeah. scene. Can you find her? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that you guys, you know, he's texting Kristen while you guys are together. Like yeah. it's a memorable moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I, I think what people even then don't even consider is like, right, you had the bill, you had the arrow. Great. You manifested that greater than what you thought, right? Just the scene. Thousand percent. So yes. Potential for that connection, even though to become a friendship, like meaning you're texting each other, but there's a connection. He will remember you. Like yeah. regardless, we all know if he had a moment texting, because that's his home girl. He's yeah. texting his homegirl. He's going to remember this girl who he riffed with and had a good time. Yeah. Right. 
Now it's about finding a new vision board where you put it in back, but now you set more clear specific intentions though. Yeah. Right. Now you need to see what you want, right? Like I want a movie. I want to be on Barry. It needs to be there. Because yeah. is already gone. We or if it's you can just end up another bit player. But this time around, it's like no 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 world. I saw a connection. This is gonna be my new next friend. Like yeah. so yeah. make this happen. Yeah. So, yeah. It's levels to manifest. Yeah. Absolutely. I do. I like, I, I did talk to some people that, uh, cause I kind of have this, I call him a guru, but he's, he's a friend, but, uh, he was like, yeah, you just need to get more specific, especially yes. like when, when I was really into dating, I mean, I feel like I wasted, not wasted, but like 15 years of my life, really so specific on finding true love. And I think, oh, right now, being a new mom, it's not even on my top 10, to be honest. It's just not, which is so 180 from who I have been my whole life. And I talked to the guru guy and he just goes, you know, being so specific is great, but you have to also just let it go. Once you get really specific and then walk away. Yeah. And he goes, maybe since you've been manifesting this for so long, it's going to be so incredible that it's taking a little bit more time to get here. And I was like, yeah, yeah I choose to believe that. Because otherwise, yeah. what am I going to do? Like, it's never going to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Otherwise, I'm going to be very angry. I'll be no, very yeah. upset. A thing is not manifest. It's not it's at all. Because I think that's the problem. People become obsessive about what they want. But you're not. Then you're actually. you have to, the, the universe is listening to you, right? And right. it's going, wait, do you want that? Or do you just want to be able to say you got that? Yeah. I don't know what to listen to. It, yeah. It, they say the universe speaks in exacts and yeah. exacts comes from more than your words. It's also your intention and where you are mentally. Yeah. Like I, I'm you, we asked you earlier, what's your astrology sign? Like what's your sun sign? Yeah. Gina and I have been getting into like charts and all that. And I've learned yeah. a lot about it. So as a single person, I decided that since I've learned a lot about placements and what they mean, I built up the chart for a, partner who I would like to meet I just wrote it on the yeah. notes I have I know what the sun means I know what the moon means I know what signs and where it works and I also know what I think I would get along with yeah. so I wrote it and I've let it be and I told my friend that's another way I'm telling the universe this is the type of person I want to gravitate towards yeah not who not race where they're from this is the type of person type. I want to gravitate towards. Yeah. Yeah. Bring me this person somehow, yeah. right? And I'm yeah. literally saying the person I want to be in a relationship with because I also don't want to end up with another guy friend. Like, yeah. you know, I specifically know- That's, I want this for relationship purposes. Yeah, I have, I should just go grab it, but it, <laughs> um, it's so specific now and it's now it's Henry Cavill. There's pictures of Superman everywhere. Um, but it's like, why- he's like the embodiment of certain traits. So he's just like the, you know, the vision of, that's what I did with Michael Vartan. I'm like, if I can manifest him, maybe I can manifest. <laughs> but, um, and not have a terrible story like that ever happen again. <laughs> but uh, I got, that's the, the guru guy. He said uh, his, I call him Dr. George is his actual, his actual name. And he said, you have to, cause he believes in all the Abraham Hicks stuff. If you're familiar with Frank. Yeah. Okay, so, um, 
so he said, you have to get really specific because I started dating the guy. This is the guy before I got pregnant and he was everything on my list. He was everything. He was kind. He was successful. He was um, a little bit older. Um, he'd, I, I wanted him to have already gone through a bunch of crap. Like, I don't want somebody who hasn't been through anything. And I want, I want somebody who's come out on the other side. Cause that's how I am, you know? Yeah. And all of those things, he checked all the boxes and within like three months we were done and he had a freak out moment. Um, he had some family trauma stuff come up that he needed to deal with. And I knew he was going to come back and he did. Uh, but I was pregnant by then. Um, but I asked Dr. George, I was like, he literally was the physical manifestation of every quality I wanted. Why was it so short? And he goes, because you didn't put, he goes, the next time you do this, you have to put forever love or lifetime love or, you know, have a 40 year anniversary with. And so I was like, oh, okay. And it just like, letting me off the hook of like what did I do wrong he's like no you cannot look at it that way it's got to be like what not what did I do wrong in the relationship but what did I do wrong manifesting yeah (laughs) and he goes he goes no no no." he goes you have to look at it like you're getting better you're getting stronger and like I'm weird with numbers too so one time I wrote twenty two thousand dollars like twenty two thousand dollars and then I wrote like sixty eight thousand dollars and I was like those are just numbers that popped into my head I booked a commercial and to the penny, $22,008 is what I made. And I've never booked a commercial since. I've never booked a commercial before. Um, wow. It, and you don't usually make that kind of money on them. And I was just like, oh, I can really do this. But, yeah. but then he's like, well, why don't you manifest $10 million? And I'm like, uh, and he's like, see that energy yep, right there. It. You're not going to manifest. That's why. So until right. you get the balls enough, that's what I say. Like until you get the confidence enough to manifest whatever the hell you want, you're only going to yeah. manifest what you're comfortable with anyway. Right. Oh, what well, you, you think, have... what you think you deserve. Mm-hmm. Because the yes. thing is that you don't think you deserve the 10,000, right? I'm not yeah. there yet. Right. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, the universe doesn't see that you see your value so yeah giving you that value if you obsess too much then you're obsessing too much because you're not trusting the process Mm -hmm. you're obsessing because you think you have to say it every day because you don't believe it's just going to happen right um when you actually believe it's just going to happen you do what Catherine was talking about which is just state it this is what i want i'm being specific and then walk away that's it i don't don't worry about the whens and the hows and the whys it's going to happen yeah. You know, what's really strange. Um, so I have this thing on my desk. I'm going to show it to you guys, but for anybody listening, I'll describe it. Um, I didn't know that this is, this was actually on office. I got it in like 2010 when I went to Ghana. And so what it is, is the hand holding an egg, right? Okay. And so what it symbolizes is the delicacy of the way that we need to approach everything, right? And the way that we need to approach life and, and the things that are in our hands. So an yeah. egg is one of the most um delicate but also like durable things that there is in the world because it literally creates life right yeah, so when right. you're holding an egg in your hand if you hold it too tight it's going to break because yeah. you're holding it too tight right. but if you hold it too loose it's going to fall out of the hand and also the balance of this not only doing stuff but knowing why and how you're doing it right yeah. knowing that balance and knowing that 
that manifestation is the egg, yeah. right? You are the hand in yeah. everything. Like I just, while we were talking, was sitting right there and I was like, that's, that's great. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. That is, that is incredible, but it's very true. What you were saying before about that, the, you know, you saying you wanted to manifest, why don't you manifest $10 million? Yeah, of course, because you have that voice of doubt. That's like, yeah, you're not going to get $10 million. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm up to, I'm, I'm definitely up to six figures now. Like I think I've got, I can do like two, like he asked me, he's like, let's narrow the figure out what number feels comfortable. And the highest I've gotten is like 276 or 276,000. And it, what it's the like amount every, was, but Jim Carrey wrote himself a check. This guy or had I think no it was fear. like a million or something like that. It was $10 million. And that's what he made on, yep, on uh, the Ace Ventura. Oh, Ace Ventura. Oh, yeah. Ventura. It might have been, yeah, it was one of them. And wow. I was like, but he had no fear. He had nope. no delusion. I mean, he had no doubt. Yeah, right. I had absolutely no doubt whatsoever, which blows my mind that you, you know, he said, I wrote myself this check. He didn't yeah. worry about it and just kept going on, kept on going with his life. And then yeah. boom, that happened. So yeah. people, it works. Uh, we're going to go into our last segment of the show, which is the Dear Gina segment. Um, that's where our, our listeners will write in and ask questions and we give them advice. Uh, so we'll all take a stab at it. Um, right. I'll take, I'll take first shot, then I'll pass it over to you, Nicole, and then we right. will pass it over to Catherine. Perfect. So, Dear Gina, where do you lie on giving trust? You give 100% up front. You give it 100% up front, no questions asked when people, when you meet someone, or is it something people have to earn? Ooh, trust is a difficult thing. Um, I used to have this, this, this argument with my ex all the time about respect, not about trust, but about respect. I respect you right away because you are a human being and you deserve respect. The only thing you can do from the second I meet you is lose my respect. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of trust, I may not give you trust right away because I need to see how you move to see right. if I can trust you. Because right. I don't, I mean, that's one thing. Trust and respect are two different categories to me. Anybody I meet automatically has my respect until they lose it. Um, trust, however, is such a delicate thing because when I trust somebody, it's like, it's, if I trust you, like I will leave you alone with my son. Like I trust you, trust you. And so that for me takes a little bit longer. Trust definitely takes longer for me. And I do think in the world, in my mind of trust versus respect, trust takes a lot longer to earn from me because yeah. respect I think should be given to another human being Yeah, just automatically. So I will pass it to you, Nicole. Uh, uh, I, before having a baby, I would immediately and then it's up to you to keep it kind of thing like it, that. Um, but now that I have her, I'm on guard all the time. Like I, there's just, uh, yeah, I'm, my guard's way up. I will read this because you mentioned respect and I have this quote and it's okay. It says for things to, this is for relationships. Okay. For things to really, really be at the end, trust is broken for men and respect is lost for women. Like I've said before, men can't love if they can't trust, while women can't love if they can't respect. Mm. And I, I have always thought, because that's, you know, because like a, a guy, if you just think about certain relationships, he trusts a woman, but he doesn't necessarily have to respect her, and it can work. And for the opposite, for a woman, like she can trust a man, but the second she doesn't respect him, and I think of all the relationships that I have 
when I've broken up with a guy, it's because I lost respect for him. It wasn't mm-hmm. because I didn't try, like, it's not because I thought he was going to cheat on me. I mean, sometimes, okay. But it's not because I thought he was going to cheat on me. It's because I was like, a lot of it was because they didn't have work ethic or, yes. you know? And so I was like, oh, that's so fascinating how we differ on that. Yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to share yeah. that because when you said respect and trust, I was like, oh my God, I have like the perfect quote. Yeah, no, that was absolutely perfect. And it's very true. I do find myself, uh, even in past relationships, looking back, it is a respect thing. Like if I don't respect you anymore, it's everything's lost. After you lose my respect, everything is lost. Yeah. There's no point. You know and what it's, I mean? It's, I don't, it's so hard to get back. It is. It really I don't is. know if I've ever lost respect for somebody and got it back. Uh, Kat, go ahead, take a, take a shot. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you guys on like the fact that I think this, what we're talking about has a lot more to do with um, interpersonal relationships because like you said, with a child, it's a very different thing. But what it made me think of mm. was what we consider ownership. So for instance, the child idea, because they are your child, in a weird way, that feeling of like mine is the yeah. hard part to give the trust, right? I'm not, yeah. That's not a critique on it, it's just that part. Yeah. I think that would be equivalent to the reason why, because they look at women as mine. Right. That's what it is. They don't, they're, for them, they're like, you're mine. And if I can't trust that you're mine, then why are we doing this? Yeah. So I think for myself, I agree. I am somebody who gives 100% um respect mm-hmm. and expects a hundred percent respect yeah. from the from the beginning but and I'm you know as I get older I think I'm much quicker at judging people in the moment not judging but analyzing people and going um what are they giving me? meaning in this moment are they giving me respect but do they like I don't know the intention behind that so I will trust you to the level that you are showing me you trust people. Right. That's what I do a lot of. It's kind of like, I do think that at one point I kind of just was like, I give hundred percent trust. And I, you know, and I, you can, you, the more you mess up, the more you, you, I don't trust you anymore. But now it really becomes a, everything is a give and take as people. Some people initially you meet them, they seem so closed off and you go, I don't feel like I could have opened up to you. And then you get to know them and you go, I'm wrong. That just takes a while. Other people seem very trustworthy. So um, you kind of can become an oversharer. Yeah. And then you realize later, shit, you weren't yeah. somebody I should have given this to. Yeah. I think, I think people need to realize that trust is about self-awareness. Mm-hmm. How self-aware are you of like where you stand and how, what you're about to do with this other individual, how it could affect you both positively and negatively. Right. Get a hundred percent up. Cool. If you decide not to, cool, but not respect somebody off the top. If not, then we're we're shouldn't have this conversation because yeah. respect should never not be on the table. Right. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. Nicole, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Before we officially sign off, can you tell everybody where to find your special, where they can find you, anything else you want to shout out, any projects or any upcoming yeah, things? Uh, never been kissed. Uh, you can get it on Amazon, Apple TV. Oh, no, you froze. And uh, I'm working on the next one about being a single mom from having a one night stand. So there you go. 
Amazing. And the hits just keep on coming. That's keep great. Can you coming. just tell people, uh, shout out your socials, let people know where they can find you. Yeah, I'm at uh, Instagram at Nicole Birch Comedy. And then you can also go to NicoleComedy.com for any of my upcoming shows and all that good stuff. Awesome. I had Catherine. so much fun. Thank you guys so much. Yay. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Um, thank you for coming on the show today, Catherine. Tell the lovely people where they can find you. Um, on Instagram, it's at Catherine G. Mendoza. And then on Twitter, it's at Kathy Grace 24 Fantastic. You guys know you can find me at G. Brion on Instagram. Uh, you can check out The Floor is Lava also on Amazon. Uh or the HBO Hot Comedy Festival, which I was pregnant for. So enjoy that look. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can check that out on HBO Max. You guys know I love to end the show with a piece of advice that my mom gives me to this day. When life throws a lot at you, people take it one catastrophe at a time. Until next time, guys. Bye. Thanks again, Nicole. Bye. Bye. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Do it like that. Yeah. You the kind of chick that's ready to fight back. Yeah. Looks damn good, but really she type bad. Mm -hmm. Go to sleep, I call him a night cat. Born killer, you a born killer. Mm. Go on, get him. Go on, go on, get him. Mm.